0: campaign chemistry rewind this episode first aired july 7th 2022 welcome to campaign chemistry where we pick the brains of creative alchemists business wizards and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brand fresh off of can with a hall of grand prix's vmly and r is making waves in the healthcare space Campaigns, including I Will Always Be Me, which helps people with motor neuron disease preserve their voices before they lose the ability to speak, and The Killer Pack, a non-toxic mosquito repellent from Mumbai, demonstrate how innovation is transforming the sector and creating room for agencies like and Art to grow. CEO John Cook sees health as a green shoot in the rocky economy, along with commerce and digital experiences, areas that the agency has leaned into and have enabled it to grow throughout the pandemic. Cook also chats about how clients are reacting to inflation and a pending recession, how the agency is focusing on retention and DEI in a tough talent market, and sheds insight on how the OpenX operating model for Coca-Cola, a major new account for WPP, really works. I'm your host, Alison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hey, John. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Alison. Good to see you. Good to you. see
0: you. Yes. So where are you calling from today?
1: I am in Kansas City. Right on the border of Kansas and Missouri, sitting in the Kansas or sitting on the Missouri side is where the office is today. I'm traveling a lot but here today.
0: Yeah, well speaking of travel, we were we were both just saw each other in <laughs> CAN not too long ago. We were chatting about our awful travel experiences. Um, yes. So, VML Y&R had a great showing at Cannes this year. Big showing in the healthcare space. There were two campaigns that won uh, Grand Prix, I believe. There was some mm-hmm. work from India that did well um, about non-toxic mosquito repellent. So, talk about, um, I guess, what was your big takeaway from the event? And then we can talk a little bit about some of the work and why it won. Yeah. I mean, I Cannes in general, it was great to be
1: back, first of all. I mean, not just as our agency, but just the whole industry. I was really curious to see with what... Gusto, it came back to. And if it, would, I, I thought it felt great. I don't know if you felt the same, but it felt like the vibe was good, not too heavy, not too, uh, not too light. It was just, it just seemed felt like a perfect situation. I felt like the crowd was great, uh, focus on the work, not a whole lot of rehashing the last couple years of COVID, but, but really focused on the work. It felt great. I thought the, the balance of agencies and platforms and clients was, was was right in line too. I think those things get out of whack through the years a bit. But I thought that was perfect this year.
0: Yeah, and in general, yeah, it did feel like a little more a little more focused on the work this year. A little less flashiness. That's probably because of all the crazy things going on in the world to some extent. But um, yeah,
1: yeah, agree.
0: Well, so talk about some of the work. I mean, I thought it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. You guys did great in the healthcare space. And I know that that's an area where VML, YNR is doubling down. Talk about like some of the the way that you view innovation in this space and where mm-hmm. you're trying to bring that.
1: Yeah, I think, um, well, first of all, yeah, it was a great year for VML, YNR. We always had this theory, let's just have a great work that we love and see how it does. That's the only way to think about it, CAN. Because if you go in trying to expect a certain ranking or number of medals, there's people that that chase that and that's fine. I think yeah. we go in with a theory. Let's just have great work for great clients and see what happens. And we go in this theory that that work is great whether it gets a medal or not, you know, or that work's not great, you know, and 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 it let the medal. And it's hard. It's a hard mentality to have because, of course, you want the medals. And anyway, but it worked out well. We had a really good showing in the top of can. And to your point, we did well across the world. We did across all of our clients. But to win in health, we'd never really... One in health, to that extent. The fun thing about winning in health is it's Monday night's show of cans. So we had two grand prix on Monday night. It makes the week really relaxed. <laughs> when, <laughs> to get a grand prix at all is 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 so cool. Um, last year or last can, for example, we'd won a grand prix on the last night, and it's just that's a nice. But I, I have to I have to say the feeling of getting a couple on the first night just changes your whole week. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, I, w- I would think so.
1: It was great. But the cool thing, I think, in health and that we won in health and in pharma, which are both early in the week, I think one of my favorite things was we won one of those Grand prizes in a partnership we did between two of our biggest clients, Intel and Dell, who you wouldn't think of in health. And I think mm-hmm. that was extra special just to show innovation and collaboration between two technology-based clients to win in the health space, I think. In, a, in a, some work that was really heavy on storytelling and, and changing the world, it, that meant a lot um, in addition to the level of the award.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's health is such an interesting space, and I'm curious what you think about where you see opportunity for an agency like VML, YNR, because it feels like there is so much innovation happening, and every company is now a health company, right? Dell, mm-hmm. Intel. They're innovating in the space. I know that, for instance, the, the I will always be me work was a piece of technology right that helped people preserve their voices who were had motor neuron disease so mm-hmm. talk a little bit about like the ways that like advertising typical digital agencies advertising agencies now play in this space and you know how you view that fitting into VML YNR's offering
1: yeah I think I think there's a lot of health capability in the world obviously it's the biggest category in the world probably I think the point of difference we're trying to have and that work helped prove it is I think there's something different when you can embed health capability in an overall, you know, general agency that we are or a digitally minded brand agency that we are. And it only it only works if you bring perspective to health from the from outside the category. Uh, there's fantastic strategy and creativity in the health category, but sometimes it gets a little isolated and siloed. Sometimes mm-hmm. it gets a little too um. Knowledgeable of the rules, and I think this was an example of the bigger bet of having such big health capability in an agency. Is it only works if you can bring perspective? So for us, this was an idea of bringing perspective from, from creatives and strategists who who don't live and breathe health every minute. Now that mm-hmm. said, we had plenty of those type type wins as well, and I think if we're we we um, we named a guy named Walter Gear our chief experience design officer in health, and I think it's the first of that title in the health category and it was a statement by us to say where we're seeing a lot of growth is in experience design and customer experience within health right alongside all the big health advertising you expect so Mm -hmm. that i think that's to answer your question that's where we're going in health is to really bring that VML wine our customer experience experience design to the brand stuff and i think it's it's working it's growing
0: yeah, I think I definitely think there's a need for that to to revamp the the experience there. Speaking of what's what's working, talk a little bit about the state of the business. I know, you know, in Can everything felt really great, but there was a lot of talk about the recession is coming, mm-hmm. inflation is super high, talent is still hard to find.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What's the general tone of business right now?
1: Do you mean at VMLYR, just in the industry? Overall? I guess both. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I think I um, think I think we're all. I think a lot of the industries prepare is maybe not seeing the results of the recession yet. I'm answering very generally, but but preparing for and bracing for you know a time where this will hit our industry. And I think I think that's I think we're we're not naive to the fact that you know the the advertising industry is sometimes on the forefront, unfortunately, of of recessions and things just because it's so dependent on consumer spending and consumer mindset. So um, I I I think it's there. And it's, it's looming, but I think we're all optimistic that this industry, and now specifically VML1R within the industry, we've prepared for moments like this. I hope the industry, but I know our agency has prepared for that moment, meaning it, there's never going to be a shortage of a need to communicate and to persuade and to market. It's just going to it's going to be agencies that prepare for how they do that or not. We've put so much work into the balance of brand experience and customer experience in our business that that helped us grow Through COVID, helped us grow record numbers last year. That's going to, I think, prepare us for any recession. Doesn't mean it will be easy, uh, but our mindset is is confidence. uh, And confidence because of hard work on our capability, uh, not just blind confidence.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think two growing areas, customer experience and um, digital experiences. Where do you feel that you're also like we were just talking about health, another growing area. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where else? I mean, I know commerce is, is a big focus. Where else are you? Looking, we're seeing opportunities for growth within this kind of difficult economic context.
1: Yeah, Com- commerce is a great point that you make. I think it's it's been about a year, VML and then vml WineR always had a certain level of commerce, certainly in the United States, um, but we, we weren't world-class. Um, we were world-class in spots. And then, I, you know, as kind of a follow-up to the big merger of VML and WineR about a year and a half ago, we merged Geometry, which is was the, the largest you kind know, of commerce agency and shopper agency in WPP, into VML, Y&R, and You could say that's crazy, it just had a big merger, but um, it, it has worked wonderfully, honestly. And it's to answer your question, it's because where we see a big element of growth is if we've got a great relationship with our brands on brand and customer experience. There's a missing element of how that all resolves and transacts at the end. If you've built a great brand or if you've built a great experience, it has to resolve somewhere. So our feeling on growth has been let's double down on commerce in every aspect, whether it be shopper, experiential or what we call creative commerce. And um, that's really worked. It's been a growing area. Taken some work to integrate it because you can't just slap a company into a company and hope it hope it works. Um, there's been a lot of that in this industry. That's not gonna happen here and and, and um, we've worked hard on that, both culturally and operationally, and it, it's paid off in some growth.
0: Let's talk about that. I do feel like within your own holding company, WPP, there's been a lot of big mergers and you know, also throughout the industry, but it seems that VML Y and R has worked. Like you've been able to integrate, you know, the Young and young and Rubicam, Y&R with vML mm-hmm. create new capabilities, fold in this commerce capability what what has been I guess your approach and 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 what's what's made it different maybe to how other agencies stumble?
1: yeah um, yeah good good question I have to admit. No, first of all, as context, we're coming up on four years. This September will be four years. Ikea has gone so fast. Uh, By the way, I'm sure even the way you're talking about it, it seems like it was just yesterday. But this this will be four years. Mm -hmm. We did it in the fall of 2018. Interesting time because Mark Reed, the CEO of WPP, had just taken on – he was the interim CEO through the summer. Mm -hmm. And then he he was officially named WPP CEO that fall. And then we merged the month after. So in in many respects, it was the first – Kind of in the new, I'd call it the new WPP era. It was the first big kind of statement of a lot of things at WPP simplification and, and really doubling down on the great brands in WPP. It's different in WPP where we, we really put the agencies forward. But to put agencies forward, which might be different some the other holding companies, you know where, where it would be you know there, there's some homogenization that happened to the agencies in WPP, its agencies forward, but to do that, you have to have a simpler slate of agencies. And so, VML and Wine are coming together was the first of that strategy of agencies first and agency brands first with WPP as support. But it's also the, the you know the simplification strategy of to do that, we have to have simpler brand stories. And so, yes, that's a long way of saying it, it did work. But I, you know, there was some you know there's some hesitation. I uh, No, no hesitation on doing it, but some. In 2 a.m. in the morning, after being confident all day, I may have woken up and said, oh, God, is this, <laughs> this going to work? This is a big deal. These are some major brands coming together. But it has. And it, it's. I think what we did that was different, maybe, was we really focused on the the cultural aspect of coming together and on the capability that would be there. Mm. You know, we had a chance to do what nobody usually gets to do, which is to create a startup or a dream lineup of what an agency is at scale. Usually to start something new you have to start with nothing or very yeah. small. It's pretty easy easy to to think about then. When you're we got to do startup and create the ultimate agency with all the scale of VML and YNR. And we got to kind of leave behind what we didn't want, both capability, people, geographies, and we got to accentuate what we did want. So we got mm-hmm. to create in our mind, like the agency of the future uh, at scale. And that combined with focusing on culture was the handbook that I would I would lay out for anybody. What we didn't do, so you have to sacrifice something. What we didn't do, we didn't put a lot of focus in the first year on all the operational, like we didn't work on the timesheet system mm. unifying. We didn't work on a global process and all those things. I think a lot of people start with those things and then mm. they look up after a year and realize, okay, we got a mess of people. We've got a mess of capability. We just kept it simple. And four years later, we're still figuring out our systems, though. You know, and uh, I'd rather if something's got to give, I'd rather give on the on that stuff and figure it out later and be a company that knows one another and has a has a point. And uh, that's probably the difference between other agencies that I've seen merge where they, they spend a year on the operational aspects and forget the main point.
0: Yeah, well, I think putting talent and and capability and clients first is mm-hmm. probably better than thinking about you know efficiencies and back end systems and <laughs> yeah oh
1: yeah no I agree but but easy easy to, easy for also me to say necessary. now necessary <laughs>
0: also necessary yeah for sure
1: and it's easy easy for me to say now but it, you know there, when you focus on talent that that there's the fun part of talent which is who you're hiring who you're promoting but there's a there's a hard there were hard talent decisions too because well, between yeah. two companies there were duplications of roles and I think a lot of mergers you see. Two CEOs for a year. You see two chief creative officers for a year. You see two presidents of this region for a year. And while well, we sort it out, that's in my opinion, I'd rather have the hard decisions on simplifying and organizing the, the structure and the uh, the talent mm-hmm. structure right off the bat, even if that means some hard decisions. Yeah. Um, and, rip, and, the Band-Aid. And rip the band aid. Rip the band aid and go and have a have a simple, clear way forward. And I, I thanks to to Mark and WPP, we were able to to do that really seamlessly um, hmm. without a lot of shrapnel.
0: Yes. Well, four years later, four years and one <laughs> pandemic later, we... <laughs>
1: yes. Two and a half years of that has been a pandemic. Or yeah.
0: So, so talk about, you know, like circling back to the economic context we're in, like, what are... Are you seeing any shifts from clients in their investment patterns in what they're trying to uh, focus on? Like, where are they cutting back? Where are they doubling down? And what's their general outlook?
1: Yeah. Lots. Of, I've seen lots of that. I think, first of all, I think clients our brands are doing a much better job of saying what if I have you as my agency or in my agency roster, what is your purpose for being on our roster? I think, I think we're replacing an era of just an absolute, you know, it was just an absolute that there were agencies and agencies existed on rosters. I like the accountability that's there with a lot of our clients of what role do you play in our business? And that's, that's shaped, that's shaken the industry a bit on, you know, who's on rosters or not. And we've, we've generally been good in that situation because I think we have a, a good point and a good relationship with our clients. But I think that's thing one. Mm-hmm. I like that. Thing two, um, yeah, a, a, a huge focus on kind of the customer experience and the, the full experience. And there's agencies that, that have a person that is their customer experience person. And there's agencies that have a true depth. And then there's agencies that, that can integrate that true depth. We're trying to be that. And I think it's working really well. And, and satisfying an appetite by our client brands to go deeper than just the um, the brand experience, and so that's that's been that's been good. seeing that all over the place. I think the focus on commerce that we talked about earlier has been a big trend. It's all commerce has always been there, but I think the the idea that where you're transacting may seem it used to be so clear. Commerce was when you were shopping. I think mm-hmm. the the trend I've seen is clients are realizing the bet the better brands realizing that. I'm shopping, but it might be coming through in entertainment. It may happen when I'm being educated. It may happen when I'm having a brand experience. I'm, I'm in a commerce mode all the time. That's been the biggest shift. And I think you have to, I think brands are, are changing how they illustrate commerce because of that trend.
0: Would you say that brands, that's still something brands are catching up to. I mean, there was so much digital like acceleration during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. With e-commerce in particular, is that something that, regardless of recession, like that's something they have to chase?
1: Absolutely, but I think you're right that it accelerated greatly during during the pandemic. Um, you know, two of our brands we work with with Wendy or Wendy's Agency of Record, and I think just the way they rethought about delivery and and where you access food. You know, Wendy's was launching. One of their biggest launches in history was their new breakfast offering in March of 2020, you know, right at the pandemic. But instead of shrinking up and folding that, they just used that launch as a way to rethink about where you, where you, how you you buy Wendy's. Uh, Sherwin-Williams, big paint brand that we work with. And just the way that you get paint to professionals and to contractors, that we, we reshaped all of that. I, I do agree with maybe what you're alluding to, that that accelerated massively during the pandemic.
0: But does it decelerate now?
1: I think it, um, I don't think it, no, I don't think it decelerates. I think now you've got the brands that did well during COVID to rethink how they, how they become accessible to clients. I mean, to Mm -hmm. to customers, I think you've got a whole raft of brands that are now looking at that and doing their own version of catch up. There's the ones who caught up during COVID and they're the ones who are looking at (laughs) at the brands that did it during COVID, Mm -hmm. how to, how to catch up there as well.
0: Yeah. We brought up Wendy's. Wendy's always stands out to me because of the work you guys do with them in the gaming space. Do you feel like the industry is jumping the shark a little bit on this whole metaverse space and there's so much room to run in gaming? Like just as an agency with, you know, capability and, and experience there, how do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I do think there's a huge jump the shark Aspect to it. I don't mean to kill the entire metaverse idea in one comment because <laughs> we were doing a lot of work in that space, and it's meaningful and good. And Wendy's is a big part of that. But I do agree that I think there's a big distinction that you know that in, in the true metaverse where you're shopping and interacting and doing business, and, and what will happen there will be the same thing that happened in gaming, where there's a there's a big distinction on sponsoring something and having your brand as a sponsor or having your brand actively participate. And if you look at the way, just because you brought it up, Wendy's, huge success in what we've done, what Wendy's has done in the gaming space. And it's because it's it's a street cred factor of going in and playing as Wendy on all the different platforms rather than looking for sponsorships or ways to have Wendy's French fries, billboards everywhere. <laughs> um, you know. And, and that's that's a big difference. The jump the shark aspect of the metaverse will be the brands that come in and just try to – Put a big billboard in Horizon's world, yeah. As opposed to to living it and having a purpose there, and that'll that'll be just like mobile, just like gaming, just like every trend. Um, that's where you'll see separation and jump mm. the sharpness.
0: Yeah. I mean, there was so much, so much metaverse talk in can like I
1: know, I know
0: companies that had nothing to do with the metaverse. Yeah,
1: yeah um, it was all. You're right. It was all over. Yeah. And there will be there will be a hundred metaverse categories next time in France, I'm sure. Oh yes. <laughs> well,
0: this industry does tend to get a little bit, a little yeah. bit ahead of itself. How do you manage clients who are sort of just like? Get me in the metaverse. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, we do it. I mean, we we just had a good pattern through the years of every advancement of technology of of education first. So we're doing a lot of just we we agree. Let's let's find our meaningful place in the metaverse. But first, let's start with some education. So we did a really nice kind of global roadshow of what the metaverse means. Have our clients experience it. There's so many so many people talk about it without actually having ever made a transaction or having an account or having a a meaningful personal spot in 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 this case, the metaverse. I think we start with a huge workshop that we do that lets people go in and create accounts to transact, to, mm. to game, to, to, to live there, to have meetings there. Um, and then, and then it quickly, then smart people get together and figure out is what's our relevant place. So we start with education and hands-on mm-hmm. getting into it. And it's, it's not, a, I wouldn't assume that everybody at every, I think it's a big assumption that, Oh, agency people are cool and they all understand the metaverse and the brand <laughs> people. It's, I'd, I'd say that, you know, Eighty percent of any agency doesn't understand it either. I would <laughs>
0: agree. I would agree with that.
1: <laughs> I think they say it well. You know they use the word it all the time, but
0: yeah, yeah, um, they know how to yeah. use a lot of words and not say that much.
1: Um. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. And I'm not I'm not here to proclaim myself as an expert either. You know I I, no, I, I no, love no. being in it and I feel like I'm progressive, but yeah. Yeah, there's so much to learn.
0: Yes, definitely. So talk about um. Obviously, last year was a really big year for new business activity. Uh, a lot of big pitches, some of which VML Y&R was successful in, like the Coca-Cola one. Um, talk a little bit about the tone of new business. What are you seeing from clients? Is there a slowdown in activity? Have a lot of the big global accounts consolidated? Talk, talk about what you're seeing out there.
1: No, I, I, I don't think it's slow. I think mean, it's as busy as ever in new business. Um, I think last year was a big year in the, in the media space. Well, every year seems like they are. It mm-hmm. seems like to me just anecdotally during... The pandemic, there were so many media pitches in that two year span. I don't even know if we're over the pandemic or not, but you know <laughs> what I mean? That that 20 and 21 had so many heavy media, and I think that I don't think that was a coincidence. I think it was a time for brands to reflect on how they're spending money on media and how they're optimizing. So, I don't think I think we're seeing a not there will still be huge media pitches, and there are, I think we're seeing more. I didn't see as many giant brand pitches during the pandemic. I think those are starting to happen, um, mm. and I think it's it's really interesting to me to watch the the different way holding companies and agencies approach that. But I, no, I think it. I think there's there's no slowdown at all, and I think this trend happens to go up and down a lot. But I think there's a lot more brands saying I'm okay having multiple agencies on my roster, mm-hmm. not in a horrible. I'm going to have my agency shoot out every every campaign sort of way, but just a, uh, try to create a harmony of agencies on the roster, seeing a lot of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's now the focus is on brand now?
1: I'd be guessing, but anecdotally, I would say there was a slowdown on that during the pandemic to say, because nobody knew when the pandemic was ending. And I would guess that a lot of brands said, hey, as soon as we quote, come out of this pandemic, we want to
0: Mm. Reintroduce
1: ourselves to the world, and yeah. I think that's smart. I think I think it was smart to wait on some of those brand decisions, and I think we're seeing a rush of that now because I, I think smart brands are saying our our as in my as our, as in the brand and a consumer's relationship. It's like being away from a friend for a while, where or learning a new friend. It's 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 the you know like I think about airlines that I didn't fly for a couple of years. Well, in those two years, I changed. Mm. And in those two years, those travel brands changed. And I think right now we're in a period of reintroduction. And if you met a friend again and you hadn't seen each other for a couple of years, the first thing you do is remind each other about why you were friends in the first place. But then you talk about what changed about both of you. And then you find your new way forward and you realize you're still good friends. It's just that there's something changed. I had a kid during that time or I got married. You know, mm. what, what are the equivalent in the brand space? To answer your question, I think that's why. We're seeing a big explosion in brands really coming out and coming big with their relationship with those consumers now, and that agency pitches follow that.
0: Yeah, well, that's, I mean, and then to your point, that's why customer experience is so important because I don't really care what uh, Air Canada has to say to me after they lost my bag for five days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's just a hypothetical. Uh, <laughs> no, sounds, you sound like somebody who just came back from Cannes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, really it was so rough. So <laughs> rough. rough.
0: It was rough. So, Coca-Cola, is that ramping up talk about as much to the extent that you can? Like what does that look like? It's a big integrated account for WPP. VMLY&R is leading on it. What what are you focusing on? What's the what's the vision here?
1: Yeah, it's it, it was it's great. Yeah, it's ramping up fast and and it's I think it's a perfect holding company type arrangement where everything operates through WPP through a system we call OpenX, something that the WPP and the Coca-Cola Company co-designed and co-collaborated on together, and I think it's a perfect blend of of agencies getting to be agencies within a structure, but also working in a unified way. There's there's no brief, and, and VML is not not leading it. We're one of the the agencies. You know, all the all the big WPP agencies are part of it, mm-hmm. and there's no brief that doesn't have. I'm guessing here, but at least three or four different agencies involved. Uh, sometimes you've got to. Sometimes it's heavy on VML, YR on a brand, but you're bringing in three or four other brands. You've always got the WPP um, media aspect to it from MediaCom. Anyway, it's 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 been really good because I'm always somebody who believes in the, um, the power of agency brands and not wanting to be too homogenized, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. I think OpenX and the work we're doing with Coca-Cola allows you to operate as a holding company in the OpenX structure, but you don't have to hide – you are as an agency. I don't think brands want complete invisibility Mm -hmm. on the fact that they're working with great agencies. And Mm -hmm. I I think it's made it, I don't mean to be too idealistic about it, but I think within WPP, it's because we're all involved and we all play across the world on most of the categories at Coke. It's pretty selfless, uh, harmonious. It took a a little bit to figure out. We're still doing that, but it's. I think it's a a great way forward. And I think we're starting to see some really good um, work because of it. But it's a big bet. I mean, it's 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 a full bet on WPP, and, um, and we have to be, you know, it, once you get past all the layers of that, we have to be great at our creativity. And I think all the agencies in WPP are are bringing their A game to it, both mm. in talent, but also in kind of the way we share and, and work together.
0: Well, how do you align those incentives?
1: Yeah, the incent- yeah, incentives, there's always, it's the thing that always messes up <laughs> any, uh issue. you could be friends like you want, but I think, uh, first of all, there's enough scope and scale that everybody um, has a significant role in it in WPP, which I think is a nice starting point. There's so much to do and so much to take on and see so you're operating at scale. That's a that's a good thing. But, we, you know, without getting too much detail, of the system, there's a kind of a single PL that unites the whole account. And we've got enough of a central team at WPP in this kind of center open X community that that really guides those choices on. um Kind of how work is split, and they're doing that in a, a selfless way across one PL. So you have a lot of confidence as an agency leader that your resources are accounted for, that you're seeing an opportunity to make an impact, and mm. uh, it pays off. So that's that's kind of a general answer, but it's better than most. Than a lot of systems I've seen across the industry in that respect.
0: So you mentioned that there's a lot of work to do. So what are some of the some of the top priorities? If you know, what are what are some of the big focus areas for Coke?
1: Yeah, I mean there's it's it's such a large company that there's, you know, every category has, you know, every every category of coke is it's it's like its own, you know, giant world in itself. So you take the hydration category alone, you've got brands like smart water and vitamin water and it could go on and on. You know, I guess in general a lot of the the priority has been onboarding every brand within Coca-cola has a different situation of where they were some had, some had just launched work some are getting ready to ramp up mm-hmm. some are new brands or new companies within coke that need a, a brand platform from the beginning and so I think it's the big priority in the first couple of months has been just establishing where each brand is in its life cycle and what our role will be going forward and you know there's there's other agencies that were involved with a lot of the brands or mm-hmm. and there's WPP agencies that had already been working with those brands at VML1R, we were already doing some of that. So I'd say the big priority from a creative standpoint is just understanding where every brand is in its life cycle and and kind of aligning resources to take each one to the next level.
0: Mm, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about talent. The industry has been going through feeling the effects of the great resignation, but now we're sort of entering this period where companies are starting to do layoffs. A lot of companies in the tech space, they're looking forward to the recession. To be fair, a lot of them have been overvalued, so they're kind of cutting that uh, down a little bit. But talk about where you find VML and and then more broadly the agency sector right now, mm-hmm. given the talent marketplace.
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, the Great Resignation. I, I, am, I, my pet peeve is is when the industry or or people even internally at VMLYNR and would use that as it's it's such a negative. But what it's such a negative connotation in i do agree we're in the middle of a great talent movement and a great talent change but what gets lost in that is if you're a growing company and we've been growing we hired two thousand people last year we hired hundreds this year the great resignation if you're a growing company with relevance it's actually a good thing <laughs> you know and, and you use it as a as a weapon and a way to get to get better so we've had our share of attrition, you know, our attrition at VML1R, let's say in the US. It's probably 25% in a normal year it might be 22%. You know, so it's it's higher than normal, but not out of control crazy. I think you agencies need a certain level of attrition for sure. I think it's probably a few points higher than we'd like it to be, but nothing that freaks us out because if people want to use this time to do something different with their life or their career, I'm I'm all for it because what I hate to lose in that situation is there's thousands of people joining. So the attrition numbers are people that leave. But if you're growing, the amount of new talent that's joining is a faster pace than the amount of people that are leaving. And Mm -hmm. I I love that. And I think it's it's a celebration of people who have been here a long time and are getting promoted and, and finding new roles because of, you know, people that have left or because of our growth. Growth creates opportunity for those who have been here. Secondly, growth creates opportunity for more people to come into our company, put their impact and their stamp on it. And thirdly, you know a lot of people talk about diversity and equity and inclusion. But when you're a shrinking company or you're a stagnant company, you, there's not much you can do about that uh, meaningfully. If mm-hmm. you're a growing company and you're hiring hundreds or thousands of people like we have, you can live your promise of making your company more diverse mm-hmm. um, in every way possible. And I think we've we've taken the moment to to not just add great talent but to do that. What I don't – I also think it's lost in the talent movement is – something I mentioned, which is the celebration of people who have been here and who remain loyal and take on new roles because of the growth. So I'm kind of, as a, as a company that's growing, which I do not take for granted one minute, that's hard to do, very hard to do, but I do enjoy that we're growing. And so the great resignation is actually, I feel like Walter White in Breaking Bad, when you know um, his wife was say, hey, the cops are gonna come knock on your door and realize that you're a (laughs) that you're a bad guy he said no i'm the one who knocks you know i'm the one who comes (laughs) and i feel like when i hear the great resignation i'm thinking wait we're the ones hiring we're the ones (laughs) who some other company is saying hey i hate to hear it but we just lost four people to vml y&r and i Mm. I just don't want that to get i don't mean that to sound cocky but i mean it to say that you know we're the one who knocks (laughs) and when you're growing you're the one who can come for the best talent and i like to think that's us
0: So to your point on diversity and inclusion, like what ways have you changed your hiring practices? Where are you looking for talent to make sure you're not just like rehiring the same people from the same agencies?
1: Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot to that. I think I think in general, we've had uh, some generalities that we've been good at that have specific plans and tactics to them internally. But some generalities to sum that up, I think we've massively broadened the the type of experience that we would hire for a, a particular role especially creatively. I think that's where we've hired a lot of people. This isn't 100% related to diversity, but I think it's, it's expanded. You have to expand the background and the skill set of somebody you're looking for if you want to be a more diverse company. Um, I don't just mean uh, any particular type. I mean everything from geography to race to gender to type of person. For example, we may be more apt to hire somebody who's a, a creator or a musician or a poet or a comedian than we would have five years ago. When I look at Wendy's as a model for a great account, That's that account for years has been loaded with you know one of our top writers on the account is a guy we hired from a stand-up comedy routine he was doing at Kansas City. He's now one of the the best creatives in the world. That's something, if you just go off resume, you wouldn't have hired the stand-up comic guy from Kansas City. Uh, I could go on and on, but that's, that's one of the biggest things we've done to create more diversity of of type of people in the company. Geography's helped with that because you combine that with being able to hire from anywhere, that's that's helped from a diversity. And, and then I think the thing that gets lost by a lot of companies trying to be more racially diverse, to to be frank about it, is a lot of agencies, I hate to cast anything on other agencies. I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that, but I I've seen agencies that have tried to be diversity agency of June, 2020, you know, <laughs> where, where there was a, a good post and a couple hires and statistics changed. I think, I think it were in a huge quest to not be that, that agency and to have the life, the, the kind of long game. And what that means specifically is it's not just about statistics of diversity. It's about having people in positions people of diversity in positions where they can impact hiring. And if Mm. you look at, if you look at beyond the statistics of a lot of companies, you don't have that. And I'm not focused on that negative of other, I would just focus on ourselves. And where we've seen the biggest growth is when we have more growth in people who are making decisions about hiring and building teams, which means your diversity can't just be junior. It has Mm -hmm. to be Uh, It can't just be the interns. It can't just have diversity in your diversity department. You know, it has to be in positions that are changing the shape of the company and the personality of the company.
0: Well, I think to your point, it's a retention issue. Like it's about inclusion right now. And I think a lot of agencies are are shifting their focus towards that. Is there anything that you've, any program, any change you've made that has helped with retention and and inclusion?
1: I think um, everything you'd expect an agency of scale to have in terms of ERGs and and I think ERGs here at VML especially in the U S are not just like the chess club in college where it's just a, a nice t-shirt and a, um, although we do have some cool t-shirts for our ERGs um, it's, it's a very meaningful platform in our organization. Um, We also change out the leadership of each of the ERGs on an annual basis, which I think helps because it, it avoids the, it avoids the agency situation where you've got one person that, takes up the the LGBTQ plus uh, position of the company. You, you've seen that in agencies all the time. where you have got one person that can do one thing. But I think the healthy thing that we have in our company, we're far from perfect, is all of our ERG leaderships change on a frequent basis. So there's more people bringing their personality. And it's not just the... One guy that cares about it factor that you see, mm-hmm. so that's that's been really good. I love the the health of that and the, the self creation of the, of the ERGs. I could go on and on, but I think everything you expect from programming and and where we hire and and because to your point, at the end of the day, you have to feel welcome in your company, and the whole the whole thing is a, a losing proposition if you're just hiring statistically mm. people into a company that don't feel welcome there. So I think if I was answering in general. It's been a not a focus on statistics, but a focus on people feeling welcome and part of the company, and that they can see themselves in the company. and And we're far from where we need to be on that. But, but
0: well, um, I think I think you, you also you've been really open about it. You've talked openly about it. You've been grilled by your own staff about <laughs> it. We've covered it. What yeah. as what's your philosophy as the CEO, as the leader of a company? Like what to how yeah. do you act?
1: My. Um, Try to be as real as possible. And I have learned there's some really good mentors internally um, that have coached me to to ask a question and, and anybody should ask a question. But you as a leader, don't worry about being canceled. Ask your question because, you know, it's scary as a leader because you could get canceled for any moment. I hate to use that term, but I've just had some really good confidence building friends here who have uh, of all types of people who have made it clear that, no, we'd rather have you ask the questions. We'd rather have you get something a little bit wrong. So I think personally, I've overcome fear of, you know, holding a question back. Secondly, a big realization that I think there's a myth that maybe as a leader that as you, if you're trying to build a more diverse company, that it gets easier the more diverse you get. And I think the hard truth, but the good truth is it actually gets harder. And you have to be ready as a leader for the harder and everybody wants to think, oh, there's this perfect utopia of diversity that happens, and you you reach some place, and then everything's good. As a leader, it's easy. It's it's actually some of the hardest. I think we're well. We won the campaign DEI global uh, agency wow. of the year. It, it, that's that's wonderful. It actually gets harder because I've I've since we've since we've had some of those accolades or nice recognitions that you mentioned for it. I've had some of the hardest conversations I've ever had in my life the last six years. Some of the most awkward conversations <laughs> that you can imagine. Yeah. I'm, but I'm here for that. To answer your question about me, I keep pushing myself to say there only is gain if, if the, the conversations are harder. Because those hard conversations I've had, they would have had them before because we didn't have enough people to have those hard conversations. Right. Or the, the kind of people that would create tension or texture or a fabric that's that's something different. Yeah. All those hard conversations come from that. So I do think – if I had any advice for anybody, and I don't claim to be amazing at this, but I do know that, that I've, to answer your question, I've been committed to when it gets hard to keep, that's where you keep pushing through. It's like mm-hmm. most people, you touch the fire and you just, you get away, you know, you see it. <laughs> it's, that's just human nature. I see the fire and I just like keep walking into it in this particular case because the biggest gains have come when we've walked through the fire
0: yeah well keep walking through that fire <laughs> no thank you thanks for bringing it up
1: it's, it's, I don't talk about that much just personally yeah. on it but it's it's. A, I'm, I'm glad you asked because it's some self reflection on it this I've had to do
0: yeah well thank you for joining me today thanks for chatting thanks for your time and um, hope to see you soon
1: yeah I'll see you right. I feel like we saw each other on in Canada a lot we'll have to figure out ways to uh, grab coffee and stuff and here back in America but Come thanks for New having York. me <laughs> <laughs> I know I know I get there I get there a lot I just need to make more time for it but uh, thanks Allison thanks for having me
0: that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your podcasts.